Welcome to Lockdown Flames. Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Coming up, we break down the Flames' Game 1 win over the Jets, the fallout of Mark Shifley's injury, and we look ahead to Game 2 this afternoon. I'm Jess Belmosto alongside, alongside Sean Lavery. Be sure to subscribe and follow Locked on Flames for free wherever you get your podcasts. You'll get the latest episode of this podcast as soon as it comes out each day. So, game one, I'm pleased with the outcome. Sean, <laughs> what about you? I'm pleased as well, but Jess, we can't forget the Flames won game one against the Avalanche last year and then <laughs> literally embarrassed themselves and crapped their pants. So um, it's a familiar spot, I guess, but good news for them. It's a best of five, so they have, I guess, less room to screw this up, hopefully. I don't know if that makes sense at all, but I don't know. Exactly. Like, I'm, I'm surprised that they won, but um, I yeah. guess there's there's so much more to get into, namely the Kachuk thing. But the fact that they won was just surprising, but a great way to uh, uh, roll along on a weekend. Definitely. You know, I was a little nervous, especially with the Jets getting on the board first. I was like, oh, no, they're going to lose steam. Like, Yeah, I was with my friends watching the game, and when the Jets scored first, we all literally moaned and groaned and said, here we go. Like, we're back yep. at it. The Flames are back, baby. But they, they proved us wrong, and then Shifley goes down, and that kind of – changes everything so I guess just the obvious question to ask you is first with the hit itself was it on purpose or was it an accident or maybe I don't know if they're if it's possible for it to be a little bit of both like an on purpose accident what do you think there is no way that it was intentional I don't care who you are or what kind of reputation you have you have you know, a little bit of the angel on your shoulder saying, hey, don't do that. Don't try to ruin someone's career. But I don't know. What about you? I, I want to leave a sliver of, you know, I think there is a, a chance that it could have been on purpose. But if I'm going to play, you know, at home psychologist, the one reason I think it's not on purpose um, would be the fact that when Shifley was being taken off the ice, Kachuk approached him, and I don't know if he apologized or whatever Kachuk might have said yeah. to him, but I think the fact that Kachuk even approached him proves that it might be an accident. I would find it hard to believe if Kachuk did that on purpose, you know, he would have kind of the gall to go up to the guy and say, hey, I'm sorry about that. Like, hey, sorry, I just ended your playoffs possibly. Like, if he did that right. on purpose, I kind of feel like he'd be hiding on the other side of the bench and, you know, trying to avoid the whole situation. Um, but that's just me trying to play at home psychologist. So I, I also think it's on accident, especially seeing Kachuk apologize to Shifley. Um, but you know, it's, it's like one of those things that's, you know, innocent until proven guilty. We probably won't ever know or the, the actual answer. So I think there's a sliver that it could have been on purpose, but I would say it's 99.5% accident. And then there's that 0.5% chance that it might've been on purpose, at least for me. Yeah. Well, Paul Maurice is on the complete other side. Um, he thinks it was absolutely on purpose. And I, I, you know what, you got to do what you got to do to stir the pot. But I don't think that that was necessary. So what Jeff Ward said about Maurice's comments was interesting to me because Ward was basically saying, you know, 
Ward defended Kachuk firstly. Mm-hmm. Like he's like, this is my player. I have to defend him. That was an accident. And then in terms of the Maurice thing, Ward had high praise for Maurice. You know, he's like, he's a veteran coach. He's a great coach, but he's trying to do this just to get Kachuk suspended, which I thought was, you know, interesting. I thought maybe is pretty accurate with a five game series or sorry, best of five game series. You know, if Shifley is hurt really bad um, and he's going to miss the whole playoffs, that's one thing. But if he's hurt kind of badly and he might have a chance to come back in this series, if he can get, if Maurice can get Kachuk suspended and maybe that extends the series a little bit because obviously one of the Flames' best players is missing, so the, the Jets therefore have the chance to kind of come back and win things. You know, there's less time for the Jets to kind of make up ground, obviously, as we've talked about with the mm-hmm. whole best of five versus the best of seven thing. So Maurice trying to get one of the Flames' best players out of the series for at least a game or two um, makes a whole lot of sense in a best of five, just because there's so much, there is so much less room for error. Uh, but the NHL has kind of put their foot down on that. With there's there's no hearing or no disciplinary meeting at all for Kachuk, so there won't be any suspension. But that's what Maurice was trying to do at the very least, uh, which I thought was interesting. I wonder if if we were in the regular season right now, or even if it was the best of seven normal playoffs. You know, I, I think it's more likely Maurice would say something to the effect of, you know, I'm not going to comment on that. You've seen the video and just kind of like let yeah. you read between the lines as to what he thinks on it. Um, but I, I I was when I first saw the tweets about Maurice's quotes, I was kind of taken back and a little surprised that he did go that hard at it. Yeah, I definitely agree with Jeff Ward on the whole he's trying to draw attention to it and get um, one of our best players suspended. I think that, you know, you have to do what you have to do to stand up for the guys on your team, but leave that to the guys on the ice, which is why I think this afternoon there might be a little bit of tension carried over. Yeah, I've been trying to figure that out too because Blake Wheeler fighting Kachuk, I was like, well, that kind of ended it. And then yeah. For me, in the rest of the game, it didn't feel like, you know, people were going at Kachuk, you know, in a crazy physical yeah. way. Like, it felt like, you know, we had the fight. Okay, boom, let's go from there. And we kind of move on. So, at least in uh, looking at the example of game one, they, they had the fight and they moved on. So, I don't know if it's going to carry over here to game two. And then the other thing is, like, if, if the Jets are going to be focused on trying to get revenge on Kachuk, like, does that maybe take their attention away from trying to win the game and then, like, you know, maybe the Jets are down 2 nothing in the series after this afternoon. And before you know it, they're on the brink of elimination. Like, I wonder where Paul Maurice kind of wants them to focus their attention. I would guess he wants them to focus on winning the game mm-hmm. as opposed to trying to get revenge on Kachuk. But you never know what's going to happen, especially if the right situation, you know, kind of arises where there's an opportunity to, you know, give Kachuk a little extra shot or something like that. So mm-hmm. I would guess for me, it's more likely just based on what we saw in game one that the Jets have kind of moved on at least for now, and are just more focused on evening the series. Yeah, I mean, especially with how fast those gloves came off during game one, you could you could say it's all like in the past, but I guess if we get an update um, before um, the game, I will practice, oh my goodness, uh, before the game, if, you know, there is a timetable, Will that also indicate how things carry over or if, you know, he's only going to miss today and he'll be back for the next game? 
I also wonder too, if we're even going to find out about Shai Fleet's status, yeah. like this playoffs, like it might just be an unfit to play situation. Um, that's very true. Like we might not find out until the Jets playoffs are over, if that's this series or, or later on. Um, so I don't know. I don't think we're going to find out, but it, it, to me, it doesn't seem like Shifley will be playing this afternoon. I would, I would be shocked if he was playing. And then yeah. there's also Patrick Line too, who didn't practice yesterday. Um, so Shifley didn't practice, Line didn't practice. And if Line not playing today, then that really kind of, again, emphasizes the, hey, like, let's not worry about Kachuk thing. We're missing two of our star forwards. Let's focus more on trying to actually score goals and win the game because you're shorthanded if you're the Jets right now, if, if both Line and Shifley are out. So um, we're speaking of the Jets' best players, but what about the Flames' best players? Still to come here, Jess and I are going to break down how the players of Johnny Goudreau, Sean Monaghan, and Elias Lindholm, the three guys who all had the spotlight on them, will break down their first game of the playoffs. Uh, but first, let me tell you about my friends at rockauto.com. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts for any make and model. If you have any obscure car, RockAuto.com has the part for you. Now, Jess, I know there's lots of reads and podcasts these days and commercials have been around forever. I feel like sometimes brands kind of, you know, try and play me a fool and and just bring me into the store, get me on their website. But rockauto.com has a real world example. There is a Delphi FG 1456 fuel pump assembly unit for a 2005 to 2010 Honda Odyssey. And it costs $350 at the big box stores. But just at rockauto.com, it was only $216. So this brand, this website, rockauto.com, they can actually back it up. So it's great for us as a consumers, especially you and I both being recent car purchasers, it's great knowing that they actually back it up and they're not just trying to you know, fool us to come to their website. These guys are legit. So like I said, regardless of the maker model, rockauto.com has you covered. And it doesn't matter if you're a do-it-yourselfer or you know that professional mechanic. Sometimes the pros, they get that benefit and they get that little extra discount. Rockauto.com, they treat every customer the exact same way, regardless of if it's your first time working on a car or if you do it professionally. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in the how did you hear about us section that is locked on, two words, so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Lockdown Flames continues. Don't forget to follow Sean and I on Twitter. I'm at Jessica Belmosto and Sean is at Sean underscore Lavery. So we are about four hours, no, three and a half hours from puck drop as we're recording this. Mm-hmm. How are you feeling about um, that top line? Do you think that they'll be a little bit I mean, not that they were bad per se in game one right but do you think that maybe they'll come alive again today yeah maybe you know a little slow to start in game one but um you will definitely take the fact that they they all got points and they all kind of combined on johnny Gaudreau's power play goal mm-hmm. you know it was like a it was their line and, and they did it themselves and they got they all got points so you'll definitely take that opposed to what the opposite could have been where they have no points and we're all, you know, probably talking about Johnny Gaudreau and the whole pressure thing again, but um, they're not out of the woods yet. That's for sure. You know, doing well in one game is, is one thing, but if the flames do the same thing like they did with the avalanche and win the first game, but then get swept uh, after that, then, you know, it's all kind of pointless and what are we doing? Um, so like I said, 
you'll take what we got in game one, but I don't think they're necessarily out of the woods yet for, for game number two or the rest of the playoffs for that matter. I completely agree there. Um, I was very happy to see Johnny score. I think everybody was. And is that chip off of his shoulder gone? It looked like that. Like I remember when yeah. watching his celebration when he scored, it looked like he was just like screaming at everyone like us who have been talking about how the spotlight's <laughs> been on him. Like he was, I don't know if I've seen that much emotion in Johnny Goudreau in a long time, at least on the ice. So um, it definitely looked like the chip was off his shoulder personally. So um, it's nice for them. Like I said, like that's, we couldn't have drawn it up really any better. It's as long as they all had a point and they all, like I said, worked on it together. I think the one thing that we learned from game one is, is how important the special teams are going to be. Um, yeah. On Friday, when I did the podcast on my own, I was, you know, kind of speaking to the fact that for these star guys like Goudreau and Monaghan, they're going to score against Hellebuck. I don't think it's going to be that pretty passing play that we're going to see, especially five on five. Like these, yeah. to beat Hellebuck, it's going to have to be a little greasy and a little dirty. The one place where that, changes just a little bit would be on the power play. So um, that's where those guys have that skill to really kind of open things up and they have one less Jets defender to worry about. Um, so that's where that pretty passing play against Hellebuck can kind of come into play just a little bit more. So, um, you know, game one kind of summarized all of that. That Flames first line, they scored on the power play. So um, I think the Flames power play is, is going to be a sneakily huge factor in, in how this series goes. Definitely. And I know that uh, the final goal was obviously an empty net goal, but the fact that all three goals were scored by the special teams, I think that that was, um, like you said, it really put put the nail in the coffin about how important the special teams are and why they need to take advantage of the man advantage. (laughs) When you're going up against, and it's it's great to have a shorthanded goal. I don't know if that one, that one doesn't yeah. really kind of loop into this whole conversation because you can't expect the Flames to score on every penalty kill that they're working on. Um, but anyways, like if, if you're going to go up against a Vesna guy, the one place where you have the chance to make up ground is, is on the power play. So if the Flames can draw those penalties, and I think having Matthew Kachuk on your side, especially after what happened in game one, is a good, really good thing to have in terms of the drawing penalties thing then the pressure becomes, you know, what, what the Flames can do on the power play. And through game one, they're they're doing great. So if they can keep it up the rest of the series, I think they'll have a really, really good chance of beating Hellebuck and kind of getting in his head a little bit. And the fact that they put up, you know, three against him and four total is, is an awesome place to start. And I think we talked about it last week where, you know, the mental challenge of going up against the Vesna likely to be winner is something huge but now that the flames can look back on their previous result and say hey guys we put up four against this guy who's going to win the Vesna," you know that probably gives the team a whole bunch of confidence and a little bit of um, swagger in their play now hopefully not too much swagger that they're trying to you know make a highlight reel every time they score against him but uh, i think it's a really really good start yeah i'm very happy with the overall performance from game one and I think that it will give them, you know, obviously like more motivation and maybe shake Hellebuck a little bit. Yeah. I mean, that's the potential is there in, in a best of five because there's so much less time as I've said a thousand times this mm-hmm. podcast, but you know, if, if there's one time I think it could happen, it could be in this series just because it is kind of rushed and there's so much going on and, 
you know, there's already so much drama and we've only played one game. So I guess there is the door is opening for, for the Flames to get into Hellebuck's head. They still have to walk through the door, but at least there's a little crack starting to develop. But like I said, the Flames got to do their part of, of the business to hold up their end. So um, we'll see what happens today. Yeah, I am certainly looking forward to it. And I think I'm more excited and probably like everybody else who watches the Flames simply because it is a win. Mm-hmm. And I know you said at the start, like, of course, you know, they won the first game against the Avalanche last season. But I don't know, this time feels a little different. The way this time feels different for me is that when the Flames beat the Avalanche in game one last year, I was like laughing. I said, oh, this will be easy. The Flames are on to round two. <laughs> like, that's almost exactly what I, my thought process was. <laughs> this time around, though, I'm the complete opposite, the complete pessimistic. The Flames won game one, great. But, well, we did that last year and it didn't go very well. So hopefully if Flames fans want something to hold on to, it's the fact that my mindset isn't the same as it was last year. So that obviously won't make a difference in what happens on the ice. But uh, I guess it's a learning experience that we've all gone through these last year and a bit plus. So still ahead in the show, we look to game two this afternoon and offer our opinions on how we think Calgary will follow up with their game one win. Locked on Flames with Jess Belosto and Sean Lavery continues. Want more insight to this qualifying round series? Check out Locked on Jets with Harrison Lee for his thoughts and opinions on Winnipeg's big game one loss. So, how did they follow up today, Sean? Well, I think it's a, a lot more of the same. Um, mm-hmm. I guess the three kind of key things would be Kachuk getting in the Jets' kitchen, Goudreau and that first line, and especially the power play as well now, um, continuing to pile on some points and get in Hellebuck's head and, and put some pucks behind him. And then the third thing, now, Jess, here's my question for you. Yes. What is a bigger positive following the Flames game one win? Is it the fact that Johnny Goudreau scored and has the monkey off his back, or is it the fact that we are not talking about who's going to be starting in net in game two? Which is a bigger positive for the Flames? I'm going to say goaltending. <laughs> yeah, like we haven't even said Talbot or Riddick yet, really, this podcast no. at all, right? So Right. And that I think that goes to show you that it's not on the forefront of our minds anymore. Right. So, I mean, I am definitely – I'm thrilled with Talbot's performance. So (laughs) I think it's amazing. It's like almost a miracle that we're not talking about goaltending because I was so sure that um, the Flames were going to lose game one and then we'd have the whole goaltending conversation thing go another day. Um, But the fact we haven't even really brought it up at all is, is such a huge positive for the Flames. So um, I'm, I'm on the goaltending side uh, in terms of my answer as well. Um, you know, in terms of Talbot's game one, you know, he only had 18 shots against and he did, you know, he did his job and stopped 17 mm-hmm. out of the 18, which is, you know, all you can ask for out of your starting goaltender. Um, but 18 isn't necessarily a high workload in the NHL, yeah. um, especially in the playoffs. So with the likelihood of Shifle and Line being out, you know, I don't know if that workload is necessarily going to increase exponentially. It could, like, it's definitely possible, but um at least the quality I think might go down a bit with the Jets kind of losing a bunch of offensive weapons. But, you know, if Talbot can put in another really, really solid performance here in game two, you know, the more he does that, the more confidence this Flames team is going to have in him and the more confidence that will give the rest of the team in terms of their play in front of him. So it's, 
It can only be good if, if Talbot keeps it up. Yeah, I definitely, I, I don't know, I was blown away by the fact that there were only 18 shots. And I mean, that, like you said, that is incredibly low and that doesn't even feel like a, a real number in any NHL circumstance, let alone a playoff game, because I feel like we're so used to seeing, you know, high 20s to mid 30s. But, you know, I'll take it. <laughs> I yeah. didn't see anybody attacking him um, after he let one in. I jokingly tweeted, bring on the big save Dave would have right. had that tweet. Right. Like, because, you know, of course, everybody is going to find something to complain about. But I just, I'm happy. <laughs> I'm happy yeah. with the goaltending situation. I know. Jeff Ward probably has to be the happiest of all, too, because yeah. if it would have been awful for him if he had to go through the making the decision, which would be stressful to begin with. But then if his, his first decision lost game one, then, you know, it would be so easy for Flames fans and media people to kind of second guess him and, and that choice. So, uh, you know, he kind of, his choice was proven correct in game number one. Um, so that kind of, I guess, negates the conversation. We don't have to worry about it too much anymore um, unless things go super crazy here in game two or game three. But um, it's so positive for the Flames that this, kind of worked out the way it did in terms of their goaltending situation. Uh, how how much do you think this series and I guess this game this afternoon would change if if what we think is true and there won't be a Shifley or a Line in the Jets lineup? Like, is this pretty much the Flames series to lose if that's the case? I think, I don't know. I just, it's so hard to tell because I like, you know, if you lose two of your biggest assets or your opponent loses them and you still can't beat them, that's that's an issue. But I think that this is the one that I think this they're finally gonna make it past or I guess really into the playoffs because this mm. is still a qualifying round. Right, right. Which is I, I was saying yesterday, like or sorry, not yesterday, on Friday, I said I was breaking down what kind of the reaction would be if the Flames won or the Flames lost this series. Mm-hmm. I said if the Flames win this series, you could make the the argument and it just kind of be being the loser who gets into specifics. But you're like, hey, the Flames aren't technically out. They haven't won the first round yet. Now they're just starting the first yeah. round if they win this series. So, you know, the whole narrative of the Flames can't make it out of the first round. If the Flames beat the Jets, technically that narrative isn't over. Like I said, it's just picking technicalities, but... Um, of course and like i know that the um like the stats and stuff from this series don't count towards playoff stats is that correct that is correct yeah it's bizarrely correct yeah so technically gaudreau still hasn't scored a playoff goal right that's a good point may of like 2015 that is a good point. So, tech, so we should redo this whole podcast <laughs> yeah. and say Gaudreau still has zero goals in the playoffs. Uh, what's wrong with him? And should the Flames trade him this offseason? I think that's yeah. what we should do. We should restart. <laughs> I just – there are going to be people who nitpick those stats. I guarantee it. I feel like it's going to be me five years from now when I've totally kind of forgotten what happens because my memory is not that great. So 
um, you know, Johnny Gaudreau is maybe going to be a member of the Flyers or something. And I'm going to look back five years from now and, and say, oh, you know, Gaudreau hasn't, you know, he had that one run of playoffs where it was like three playoffs in a row where he had no goals or something or, yeah. or maybe one goal in three playoffs. So that's what will happen to me. My memory will go blank. And, you know, it just kind of speaks to how, you know, I don't understand the NHL not counting this as playoffs. Like I, if it was the round robin and you're the you're the top teams kind of playing for seeding, you know that I understand because it's not a series technically, but you're more so just playing for the seeding of the playoffs. But this is like you know it's a series, like we're playing a best of five series, which sure it's right. not a best of seven, but you know it's still a best of five. Um, I don't know. It's you know it's it's 2020 and everything's weird and everything's bizarre, but I think the NHL definitely should have counted this as playoffs, at least just for you know, simple minds like me just to kind of make everything oh, easy instead of making yeah. it hard. Like, I just think that it would have made more sense and they definitely missed the mark on that <laughs> because it's just, it's going to be very confusing. I feel like, yeah. because when, you know, writers are talking about, you know, evaluating playoff performances in five years from now, technically, like you said, Gaudreau's goal isn't going to be in there. I know it's, but it's, it's so still, I would count it as a playoff goal. Like the games feel like the playoffs. Like game one yeah. felt like a playoff game, right? So I think that should kind of be the evidence the NHL needs uh, in terms of just, you know, as to why this should be counted as the playoffs. Right. Uh, maybe I guess like back in the middle of summer when we were all kind of still figuring out this whole schedule thing, you know, sure on paper, you're like, oh, it's the qualifying round. It doesn't really count as the playoffs. Uh, but for these teams where, you know, if they win, they advance. If they lose, they go home, you know, that's basically the playoffs in a sentence, right? So, yeah. um, you know, maybe they overthunk it just a little bit. But I guess if we want to, we can write it down and put, make a sticky note so we'll never forget exactly. that Johnny Goudreau has scored a playoff goal in game one Mark against it on the Jets. Calendars. Exactly. But, yeah, so I'm looking forward to puck drop in just a few hours. So, I'm nervously optimistic. Still, It's still the flames and, you know. <laughs> The Jets now have motivation. Like we talked yep. about the motivation for these teams at the start of the series where they both had poor playoff performances last year. And, you know, that's all the motivation in the world. But, you know, now after you potentially lose the star guy for, you know, who knows, maybe the whole series or at least part of it, um, that just adds to that motivation train. Absolutely. So it will be interesting for sure. And I hope that it plays out in favor of the Flames specifically for our content but we'll have fun regardless and that's what matters coming up on tomorrow's show sean and i will bring you a full reaction to the flames and jets second qualifying round game you can follow us on twitter at jessica belmosto and sean underscore labry be sure to subscribe and follow this podcast right now on your favorite podcast app and you will get the latest episode of locked on flames as soon as it's available each and every day. Don't forget to subscribe and listen to Locked on Jets with Harrison Lee to get this other side of the story to the series. Have a great day. Enjoy the game. And we'll chat tomorrow.